listening to the Stoic Solutions Podcast, practical wisdom for everyday life inspired by the ancient tradition of Stoic philosophy from Greece and Rome. I'm your host, Justin Vakula. Visit my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. This is episode 102, Confined to a Line, A Journey to Well-Being. I speak with author Ashley Lynn Olson about her recovery from surgery, finding parallels with themes in Stoic philosophy. Ashley became paralyzed and suffered a major head injury at the age of 14 following a car accident that killed her father, crippled her mother, and injured her younger sister. Years after the accident, she suffered further complications we discuss in our conversation. Ashley offers a message of hope and resilience in overcoming extreme challenges. Today, she hosts wheelchairtraveling.com and has appeared in many magazines, was featured in several podcasts, and speaks at conferences, universities, and other venues. Find more information in the show notes. On with today's episode. All right. Thank you for joining me today. Hi. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Great. And to start, before we get into some of the topics in your book, how did you find Stoicism? How did you find Stoic philosophy? Oh, I love philosophy. I mean, in sixth grade, I remember loving Greek and Roman philosophy, and I studied philosophy in college. And then even later, after I graduated college um, a couple years ago, just to kind of test to see if my brain could operate in the same way, I took a philosophy class to see if I still got it and um, got an A, spoiler alert. But um, (laughs) yeah, just was able to dive back into philosophy all again, you know, with a little bit more like a developed mind and with even more experiences. So I, I, I love, I love it. Yeah. And I found a lot of parallels with stoicism in your book, but before we get into those, can you give listeners a quick elevator pitch for your book? So the book is called Confined to a Line, and it's basically about this time 10 years ago where I was recovering from a pressure sore, um, a very tiny pressure sore, a pea-sized pressure sore um, based because uh, of my paralysis. I'm paralyzed from um, about my mid-thigh down. And the pressure sore required actually an emergency surgery. And after that, there was a very long recovery, um, including um, eight weeks actually at a short-term care facility. In other words, uh, I, I thought of it basically as a nursing home compared to my age and everybody else and everybody else's situation. It basically felt like a nursing home uh, to me. So I was in this very uncomfortable situation, laying flat on my back in a nursing home for eight weeks. Um, Couldn't even sit up to take a pill, Uh, obviously drink, take water, go to the bathroom, laying flat on my back to recover from this pressure sore. And even prior to uh, this, this eight weeks, I had a surgery. Even, even before that, I had a total of two surgeries uh, during this process and for a total of um, six months of, of recovery. So I learned, I learned a lot, but basically the story is about my search for peace um, and sanity, sanity during a, a very uncomfortable and, and claustrophobic and confined situation, which uh, subsequently led me to have a very um, deeper and more profound understanding and alignment of what my eternal um, well-being really meant. Yes. And at one point, you thought that you wouldn't even survive. You thought that you wouldn't be back in the hospital later 
maybe everything was good and then that that change that went downhill and you thought that you wouldn't make it at the end for all your listeners um a pressure sore when it gets to the point of having surgery definitely means that you are in a life or death situation um a pressure sore is um what christopher reeve died from um for those of you who don't know who christopher reeve is he played superman in, in many of the movies back in the days um, but he was bigger than life, you know, at one point and he was Superman and Superman became paralyzed. So it was definitely really tragic to, uh, society. Um, it was before my time really, but definitely was affected by it obviously afterwards because he was, he was paralyzed, but here he was Superman having all this money in the world to take care of him and he died from it. So yeah, it's, it's a little scary when, um, it's brought to your attention that you need to have surgery and this is a, a serious thing. Right. And you were able to keep a, a strong mindset, even though at one point you thought you wouldn't survive, you you pressed on, you didn't give up. I have a, a really good athlete mindset where I'm really good at, at setting goals and keeping myself calm, just looking at, you know, the bigger picture. Okay, what do I need to do today to heal myself and get myself to the to the next step, the next level of, of health, whatever that might be mentally, physically. And one of your methods in the process of recovery was writing in a diary. Yes, I, I love to write. I've always loved to write. And I love um, to write poems. In particular, I feel like the wordplay, um, sometimes even just the words that, that come to me, um, e even though I may not fully understand them, or even maybe the analogy of what I'm writing. Um, later on, it it will, or um, it will have other levels or, or layers to it. So it's kind of like almost, yeah, a subconscious uh, understanding of, of something greater that I'm trying to communicate to myself through through poetry. So I was definitely keeping a diary. I kind of didn't want to at first, though, either, because I, I, it was kind of an awkward, again, situation. But something inside of me said, oh, even though it's a little uncomfortable, you know, let's just... Let's just document this a little bit. Let's just see, you know, what comes out, you know, let's just be aware of it. And it was, you know, it really helped me to be, you know, aware of my emotions and my surroundings a lot more and become um, an observer, you know, kind of like a Darwin of, of my own emotions and, and mind. Within the diary or within your writings, you created what you called a joy list. You focused on positives during your very difficult time of being confined. Yes, uh, there was one time I, I was just kind of mentally not not well and uh, not, not not well but it just I'd been in bed for a number of weeks and whatnot and um you know hadn't been outside and it just you know just wasn't you know the greatest time in my life and and I knew that and I'm just like just wanted to remind myself of just the simple simple joys in life you know just things that I could look forward to either right now in the present moment um, or, you know, something, you know, in the future that I could look forward to, but all very simple, simple, small things. Yeah, even some roommates that you had during your stay, although some of them might not have been the best, you found some positive qualities and the companionship, even when limited, was a good thing overall. Definitely. Yeah, that was that was something unexpected. Unexpected. Um, I, I, especially, you know, in the circumstance, everybody wants to have, you know, their privacy, you know, in, in these, in these moments and for all different, for all different reasons. And, um, it, it was, it was odd when I had three roommates total and when they would leave, you know, just kind of the sadness, you know, that I would feel, you know, that, that how much I actually did appreciate, you know, their presence and, you know, them being there. Um, it was kind of like we were, um, on the journey together, you know, of healing that, Obviously, the journey was different, but we both needed to be healed, and we were both there in that moment, and it was nice to recognize that. 
yeah, and sometimes difficult, whereas maybe you would wake up at a very early time in the morning because someone was shouting or asking for things from the nurses or just um, maybe having a nightmare. Yes, I did not get very much sleep. Hospitals are not very restful places. Um, not at all. I mean, just the, just the checks in general for vitals, you know, your blood pressure and whatnot from nurses will, will keep you up. But yeah, and then you throw roommates and just the, the chaos of being in, in a place like that. Um, yeah, it was definitely hilarious. There, there were some really good, funny moments being there um, at that hospital. And um, actually, even when I, when I first uh, was recovering um, after, after this, the second surgery um, and a friend of mine came to, uh, came to visit, I mean, we just, you know, you have to laugh about moments, you know, when, when they present themselves or um, right in the moment and definitely for sure afterwards. <laughs> Got to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, that's that's good. And, and and you wrote about trying to stay authentic to try to maintain a sense of personality. And the the one line you wrote was "To thine own self be true." What what does that mean to you? Out of everybody, of course, in the world, like don't bullshit yourself. You know, don't don't lie to yourself. And but more importantly, just to be okay with like acknowledging um, where you are and what you're feeling and yeah and and to not and not necessarily and to not run from that to not uh to not uh, be in fear of it to not um be ashamed of um these things but just being able to uh to look at it you know that this is your experience and and accept it right yeah the acceptance is a major theme in your book that okay you're here you're stuck in this position you you just have to deal with it, whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, indifferent, whatever. It's just something that you, you have to deal with in the present moment. Definitely. I just had to, I just definitely just had to deal with it no matter what. And I had a choice of calling everybody that I knew every single day and spending every waking moment watching TV and just trying to distract myself any way possible. But instead, I really just tried to feel and be where I was, um, as uncomfortable as it was sometimes. Yes. And that's the title of your book, Confined to a Line, that, that you were stuck in this position, you were stuck in this scenario. Yes, I was stuck in this scenario. But yes, um, but yeah, despite that um, being confined, I was able to um, realize that by aligning myself internally in a new profound way that basically a an environment that was stereotypically unpleasant literally became eaten to me. I, I mean, I, I felt like I, I understood what Jesus was talking about, um, how he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, of course, um, that heaven is spread amongst the earth and men do not see it. I, I felt like that, yeah, every single waking moment, no matter where you are, you know, like life everywhere is such a gift. Right. So that attitude of gratitude can definitely help during trying circumstances where some people might just be totally miserable. And I feel like that just makes the, the, the time period just last more longer and it's just more uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes that just causes in my understanding of how the body works too at that point, you know, that's just is going to make the body, you know, not heal as well. You know, you're, you're going to have more inflation, you're going to have more irritation. So, you know, mind, body and soul are definitely all, all connected. So you definitely have to align. Yes. And in, in, in the ancient world, if people were talking about confinement or being apart from society, 
sometimes people just get banished to rocky, isolated islands and would just have no contact with other people at all. So in your situation, although you were confined, it, it wasn't to that much of an extreme. It definitely wasn't that much to extreme, but like it, it was odd though, because even though I was, um, you know, in the world, you know, I, I, you know, I wasn't banished to an island. I definitely felt so strongly that I wasn't a part of it for that, especially for those eight weeks. Like I was in a completely different world than everybody else that I knew um, and everybody else around me was in. Um, even nurses, uh, it was just a, a completely different experience. Yes, and sometimes, as you wrote about, the nurses would take quite a while to respond if you needed something in your room or sometimes supplies were out. It was it was really understaffed. It was a, a trying situation at times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I definitely learned very quickly to have supplies at hand. So I had my little own pantry of, you know, bottled waters and juices and granola bars and stuff like that. <laughs> so I didn't have to keep bothering them with such small little you know, mundane things such as like food and, and, and so on, because that's pretty much all I really needed since I couldn't get up and, and grab anything. And they were just always, always understaffed. I mean, they're always, always understaffed. But the connection that we had was just so very intimate and loving. I mean, we would just lift each other up every day. I mean, the little contact that we would make with one another um, was always just so profound and loving and encouraging um, on both ends. Um, I really felt like we were both literally like carrying one another like throughout the day. That's an important thing to try to anticipate certain needs rather than getting to a point where supplies are depleted. And then you're just um, w without that kind of support and care, whether it's something as simple as food and drink or maybe other people or whatever resources you need in more difficult times. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had, you know, some washcloths like in reach, you know, hand sanitizer, you know, fresh clothes, whatever, you know, within reason, you know, certain little things that could make me feel fresh and good and that I could need without having to rely on, on somebody else. And then again, still maintaining independence and appreciation for what I could still do and what I had in that moment. Yes, and even some unexpected things, as after one surgery, you had quite a reaction to dairy <laughs> that, that you didn't think would have, would have happened. Yes, um, definitely do not have dairy after surgery, which I know, which I know. Um, one of my <laughs> really good friends uh, was going to go to a coffee shop, and she was going to get her favorite chai tea. And so I'll tell the story a little bit. You know, it's, it's in the book, you know, but I have to tell some stories. Um, so yeah, she went to, uh, you know, I'm going to chai tea, Ashley, do you want one? And so I just said, yes, I was thinking more tea versus tea and milk for chai tea. And um, so she came and, you know, drank a little bit of it. And it wasn't very long. I mean, it was just like, a, like a couple sips, if that. And immediately my stomach was just like, nope, this is not happening, not happening. And my dear friend, she felt so awful about it. I immediately start, you know, dry heaving and she's getting a nurse and, you know, she's just white. She's now just absolutely completely white, feeling horrific about it. And I'm just like over the side, you know, trying to throw up. And of course I have a nightgown on and my backside is all exposed. I'm like, hi friend, like you've never seen this, but here you go, like this is happening. <laughs> and, um, you know, the nurse comes in and, you know, it helps the situation. And um, oh, my poor friend was just sitting in the corner, just feeling awful about it. But, oh my gosh, we definitely had, you know, a good, we laughed, 
immediately after that, you know, like we had a good laugh even about that, the fact that she had caught me chai and made that mistake because neither one of us um, were, you know, both very smart, you know, we were thinking, but not thinking, you know, just trying to be a kind friend. And, you know, I was just so grateful for the offer. And, but yeah, it was just a, a funny moment that, uh, that occurred during, <laughs> during that hospitalization. Yeah, that's a good attitude to, to have about it rather than just being angry at the friend, just banishing them like, oh, I don't want you here. I imagine that you've had that with some roommates where they would just be nasty, even though you were well-meaning, but they, they would just have a poor attitude at the moment. Some of the roommates that I had, they were going, majority were going through some kind of a stroke. I understand what it was like, you know, first becoming paralyzed and, you know, your body isn't working exactly how it used to work, you know, and how frustrating at first, you know, how confusing a little bit, you know, that was. And I feel like it, it's even worse once you get to a certain age. And of course, when it's actually a stroke and it's also affecting your brain, you know, severely too. And that can just be a little bit more frustrating for the body and, and mind to, you know, fully comprehend. So I could just put myself in, you know, in, in their shoes, you know, where it's just like, you know, they, they're having a bad day or they're confused or, you know, they're just reacting. That's just the way they react. Everybody reacts in different ways, you know, sometimes, um, People think that um, I'm really pissed off because um, the way my eyebrows look. Um, but my dad has these eyebrows. My mom had these eye- or sorry, my, not my mom. It was my dad and both my sisters and me. We all have the dad brow. I guess I, I feel very grateful that um, I've always been able to feel compassionate towards others, um, even before I, I was paralyzed. But then even more so, I feel like it's just emphasized that quality even more so being able to put myself in other people's positions where it's like I don't expect somebody else to understand like what it's like to be you know paralyzed and to understand all my little odds and ends and what I need and what works and what doesn't work so I have to speak up a little bit when I'm at a hotel oh no this is too high or I can't fit in here or you have to own your life and say what you want, you know, in, in a very respectful, peaceful way, you know, like just own, own what you need. And that's okay. Like I need this table to be a little bit higher because I can't fit underneath it. Is there anything Mm -hmm. that can be done? You know? And if there's no way to, there's no automatic razors, like, okay, is there a brick? Like, can we get a book? You know, can we get a piece of paper? (laughs) You know, there's all sorts of different things. I mean, just fold a leaf over a couple of times. Sometimes that honestly works. And I've done that. I mean, it's just little tiny things. If you just look around instead of just saying, oh, okay, like I give up, there's nothing I can do about the situation. You know, just put that thinking cap on. Right. So it's, it's being assertive. It's making your wants and needs known so that others can adapt to the situation. And yes, you can take more control over what's going on rather than having like a victim mentality or victim mindset or being very passive about things. Yeah, not yeah, not being so emotionally charged by it, you know, and then not being able to solve the situation where um, there's there's a point in my book where um, so here I am again, lying in bed, can't move, can't sit up, cannot sit up. And I, I have my computer and I'm watching a movie or I'm like working on an article or something like that. And my power cord comes unplugged and my computer is about to die and I need to save something. And I have this, this, you know, this panic moment. And I see the, you know, the power cord completely on the ground. I can't get that. I can't get that. And the nurses are busy, as as I've kind of spoken about. Um, so I know it's going to be a little bit for them to come in. 
So I felt my, my ego kind of rising, like, oh my gosh, like, oh, this is a horrible situation. <laughs> you're in this nursing home. You have this roommate. Nobody can help you. You're here all alone. You're paralyzed. You can't do this. And then I'm like, just had like an awareness though, like of it. There was just something awareness of this little like ego kind of like cry out. And I'm like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, I see you. Like, I see where this is coming from. And like, I know where this is coming from. That's okay acknowledging that but okay what else can I do now like now that I've acknowledged that is there anything else I can do and then I'm like okay no I can't get up and walk around and you know get this power cord but I can grab this stick that's right next to me and fish for the power cord and oh wait a second later I have the power cord and I'm back in business so so instead of having you know a massive panic attack and making a big deal about it and a pity party and not solving the problem you know just breathe and be like okay so what what can I do? How can I adapt? Like, how can I make this work to change that, right. change that perspective? Right. To take charge of your own life and to be resourceful on many, in many occasions too. Definitely. Mind over matter. Yes. And you also wrote about having a lot of patience that this was a necessary thing, especially given that the facilities you were in were understaffed. Oh, I mean like bless. Yeah. Bless their heart. I mean, I remember yeah, waiting for hours, like for, waiting for, for water, for water hours, um, at first. And that's when I was just like, um, okay, again, like going to take action. Like this is obviously like not really working and this is not, not the best thing for anybody, the nurses or myself. So let's, what can I do? Okay. Can I just use one of those, um, you know, those tables that they have, um, at hospitals that, you know, roll over the bed, just use one of those as my little quote unquote pantry, you know, and I set up a little, like I had water, you know, like I said, water and juices and little snacks and stuff like that, just to kind of make the day a lot better. And sometimes I would even just survive on that stuff because the, the food obviously in these types of places isn't the best anyways. Um, there was even a, a situ a time too where I told the nutritionist that I liked um, uh, chicken salad sandwiches because they give you a form. They had given you a form like almost every single day. Oh, what can we do better? What do you like? What do you not like? And I never filled it out. And one time I did, and then I they kept giving me chicken salad sandwiches for lunch and dinner <laughs> for like a good period of time. And I would beg the nurses. I'm like, is there anything else? And, they're, and is there anything else you can give me? And they would always try to look for something else, but there was nothing they could do to change, you know, what I was served. It had to be officially done through the nutritionist and that took even more time. And so I'm like, Oh, this system, this system, my goodness need to, yeah, got to prepare and not just put all your eggs into, you know, all, all your eggs and your health, you know, into somebody else's hands. You definitely got to take care of that stuff on your own. Yeah, and certainly not all the chicken into the sandwiches either. Yes. Yeah, some other some other options could be good there, but yeah, limited resources and all, and maybe not too much individual attention either. Oh, zero zero individual attention. I mean, besides vitals and you know necessary needs, there there was definitely no time for for anything. But yet, you wrote in your book that you strive to see the world without being offended, without the personal baggage filter. Can you can you explain that a little bit? everybody has their different, you know, perspectives and what they're going through and how they deliver a message. And maybe somebody just doesn't understand, you know, some people 
have made comments to me. They'll see me on the street and not fully understand why I'm in a wheelchair and, you know, ask me sometimes even rudely, like, you know, like, why are you, like, why are you in that? Like, get, you know, get out of there. Sometimes people have actually even tried to pull me out of a wheelchair that my oh. wheelchair that, that has also happened, you know, but so again, like it's not to be mad about these people, but it's just like to see like, there's so many different perspectives you know, on life, you know, the people haven't been exposed to absolutely everything. And people are going through an individual journey on a long term basis and on a daily basis, you know, like each day you wake up, you know, shit changes. And, um, you know, it could be a good day, you know, like it could be a great day, you know, like something in the middle could happen. Like you never, you never know, like what, you know, what's possible. So it's not to, um, not to get so attached to what other people put on you, you know, it's, Cause that's not you. It's like, what's more important is how you feel obviously about yourself. Um, and then when I, when I was talking about, you know, to, you know, observe that attachment, you know, it's like, I'm a person in a wheelchair, you know, I need all these different things and you know, this is my life and whatnot, but that's not all I am. You know, it's, I'm not just this person in a wheelchair, you know, it's, so it's, it's not getting attached to my life or like my circumstances or any particular personality trait that I have or don't have um, and just being able to have that filter through me and see it in order to in order to feel something that we all feel like that that deep seed of uh, of connection of, of life yes and and on this idea of attachment and observation stoic authors write a lot about that in that we're going to have ideas about the way the world is, but we should often challenge those and not have mistaken, as they call them, impressions, that we're going to have our attitudes aligned close to reality, that we're going to be humble and say, okay, there can be different perspectives to take here, but we don't want to jump to wrong conclusions or have mistaken ideas about the way the world is. Yes. I mean, in in the simplest sense, I mean, so things like that, that are very true and so profound, I was trying to take in a very literal sense, um, in what I was going through in, in the hospital. So like in, in what you were just saying, um, a warm washcloth, you know, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just a sponge bath. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I don't even get a shower. You know, I just get this cloth and Oh gosh, you know, the water's just lukewarm. It's not even hot, you know? And Oh, I don't even know where this towel's <laughs> been like come through, come from or whatever. And it's not even that long, but no, no, no. Like that moment of just the connection of feeling just whatever temperature the water was, you know, with that cloth and feeling it against my skin and connecting with, with those small moments, um, is I feel like, you know, is like the literal interpretation of what I, I feel like a lot of these philosophical, uh, masters were saying that I was really trying to, to implement in my day-to-day life and which I basically was trying to express throughout the book and which I hope is, you know, kind of the, the overall message that the people get. Right. And another message that I found in the book was surrounding humility and not taking things too personally. A a quote from you, you wrote, swallowing one's ego all the time is quite the challenge, but it certainly can be done. The first step is to be aware of it. Definitely, definitely. And the example um, talking about earlier um, of dropping my my computer cord, I feel like uh, is, is such a good one where... Yeah, you know, like some people have these these difficult situations, you know, and you you hear that, oh, you know, you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you know, it's it's not going to work out. But if you just give yourself 
you know, the space for, for a moment and, and just be aware of it and, and acknowledge, okay, yes, like I, I'm feeling these things and that's okay. Not getting upset by them, not, not letting them define you, but just allowing yourself being like, okay, yes, this is what I'm feeling about this. But there's also something else. There's also something else. There is this feeling, but there's also something else because there's so much that exists. I mean, science has, I feel like, confirmed that, especially now that I feel like quantum physics is so mainstreamed. I mean, like, I feel like that is proof that so many things are operating all the time. And you wrote about having compassion to return to that for other beings, nurses, roommates, and even a fly. Yes. <laughs> Even a fly, even a fly. I, like I said, I, I, people are people are beautiful. So that's why, yeah, don't get upset, you know, when somebody doesn't say hello to you or they don't see you or call you back because everybody has their own individual individual journeys. Um, even the nurses, e- e- every single day, you know, they had troubles of their own, you know, family troubles, professional troubles, you know, like soul troubles, you know, just like any other person. So there's so many things that are operating Um so again, again, not getting attached to, um, you know, to your emotions or getting offended is, is, is really great way of, um, of being and taking care of yourself and taking care of humanity and, and the planet as a whole, I feel like. Um, and I do remember you're talking about the compassion for a fly that, um, yeah, there's, there's a poem that I wrote that's actually called uh, Compassion for a Fly in, in my book, Confined to a Line. And I, I put it in there just because it was a pretty far into my, my recovery. I, it was almost maybe like a, a number of weeks before I, I was released. So I was pretty deep and in, deep into the recovery, especially at, at the nursing home. And I would just be observing e- each day, you know, as the day would flow and just trying to get inspiration of what would come to me, you know, and just, okay, what's going to inspire me. And I remember this one day, yeah, this, this fly came in my room and it was just banging its head against the window. And, you know, you know, that sound, that click, 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 you know, and then it keeps <laughs> going back and keeps going back and keeps going back, you know, and at first, I, you know, I had that initial reaction that that ego you know like reaction of just like oh how it's affecting me you know like oh this dirty thing like it's different than me you know like we're having completely different stories you know and I can never you know like feel what it's feeling you know and that kind of a thing and it's bothering me and then I just started thinking about I don't know this 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 fly and how I just it just wanted to be outside I had this big window and it was probably buzzing all around the hospital and I have one of the biggest windows and it was probably just really trying to get outside. It just really tr- was trying to get outside. And it's just a really funny poem about um, uh, just really, you know, instead of just putting yourself in other people's shoes, but how I actually put myself in the position of a fly and being able to find compassion in uh, the smallest things and creatures Yes, and the Stoic authors talked about this idea of a cosmopolis, that all of humanity, all beings are of one community, that our actions impact others, that we should be aware of that and treat others well, knowing that some others might come into our lives and be nasty toward us. So it's important to deal with those situations well and move on, trying to select a good group of friends and family or whoever might be. Um, as far as we have control over that situation. Definitely. And I, and I strongly like to encourage people, like, let's say somebody comes at you, you know, nasty, you know, cause they're having a bad day for whatever reason. Um, you know, you don't have to respond, 
you know, you don't have to be a mirror. By not being a mirror, you're literally showing them another way. And whether or not they get it that day or hours later or days later, um, it will resonate and somehow, um, you know, we'll be able to uplift them and hopefully allow them to to see something a lot deeper inside of themselves. Yeah, what I, what I noticed about people who might behave in unvirtuous manner is that they really don't have a good quality of life in many cases that if they're going to be nasty toward everyone are they really going to have good friends are they really going to be happy in their own times if every day is an argument every day is a problem and they're, they're just not living a fulfilled life so perhaps there's some some punishment in some sense in that the the stoics wrote about in, injustice always having some sort of punishment because the harm is self-inflicted Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like people can self-inflict harm on themselves and then continuously, you know, do that in, in a, you know, sometimes a dangerous cycle. Um, and that's why I feel like being a mirror, when at all possible, again, by not reacting, not responding the way that these people want you to respond by just, you know, being present, staying your ground and delivering your peace to this person in whatever shape or form that you're able to, you know, to do that. Right. And hopefully not getting dragged down by others, as you mentioned earlier. It's not so much others' opinions of us, especially the disreputable people, but rather our own self-esteem and that we can point to positive things about ourselves and our accomplishments and strive to improve in the future as well. That's that's what really matters in the end. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Great. And for more gratitude or more appreciation, you wrote about a pivotal change that you transitioned from your bed into a wheelchair and you were very appreciative of that. Oh, yes. I mean, just to sit up was amazing. Um, But in particular, just to be able to sit in my wheelchair again, which was kind of surreal um, to have that moment, just to be appreciative of sitting in my wheelchair again. And that made me realize how far I had come since my initial paralysis that here I was so happy to see my wheelchair again, just blissfully out of control. So happy that I was able to get in my wheelchair and go outside and get some fresh air. Definitely, definitely those little things are important. You included a quote from Henry David Thoreau in your book. It's not what you look at. It's what you see. Yeah, I definitely believe that um, perspective is literally the key to your own garden of Eden. It, It really, really is. It's, Um, You know, it's not just a washcloth, as I spoke of, you know, it, it represents all the, the love and tender care that the nurse had brought to me to help take care of me for that day. And um, the people then behind that who delivered even, you know, this dish towel and our dish towel, this face wash towel and this tub of the basin so I could actually put water in so I could wash my face and the people manufacturing it, you know, and the people who, you know, shipped it from there, you know, so there's so many, it's not just a tub and a washcloth. There's so many people who touch this to, to make this possible to bring that here. So it's all the connection, all the love that was, was put into that. It's not just a washcloth. Yeah. Lots, lots to appreciate for sure. And f- fast forwarding, when you got out of the hospital, you you found um, wheelchairtraveling.com and you've been traveling uh, a good deal since the hospital in time where you might have thought, oh, am I just going to be stuck in this bed? Like what's going to happen? So quite a change there. It was amazing. And once I finally took the plunge to do wheelchairtraveling.com and I was going at it for a couple of years and, you know, it was really taking off. And then all of a sudden life was like, halt, time out, time out. 
you know, it's going really good and you're progressing, but we're just going to put your life on pause and you just have to, you know, take some time. It happens sometimes, you know, it, this is, this is just life. You never know what can possibly happen. Um, and you just have to make the best out of it. And again, that's why I feel like I wanted to put this book out there as opposed to incorporating it with a bigger book that I wanted, that I'm working on, um, because of what happened in, in 2020 and, and the lockdowns and everything like that, because I wanted to, to share the story to share people like, yes, like it's, you know, I know you've been feeling confined and, and, and locked down, but I feel like people have literally been given the gift of time. You know, people I hear, I would hear people all the time <laughs> say, oh, you know, I, I don't have time you know, for myself or to take care of myself or to cook or to learn how to play an instrument or to write that book or, you know, to travel, you know, to travel across the country or, you know, to learn how to sew, all, all, you know, we've been all begging for time. I feel like for almost like decades now, like, oh, there's no time. And we all feel like we're getting less and less time. And now I feel like we've been given the gift of time. So take advantage of it, you know, because it's not going to last, you know, like this is definitely, you know, it's, this is definitely not going to last. You know, it's definitely going to change in some some shape or form. It's definitely going to change. So make the most of what what it is, you know, like have a little bit more time for yourself in the morning, actually be able to cook dinner for yourself and choose healthier options, you know, and put really love into what you're cooking, because what you put love, you know, what you put into you, like you are what you eat, you know, so put love into you know your cooking and your food, you know, because you're then just putting love into your body. And that's just going to help your mind and your spirit, you know, just be more clear throughout the day and um you'd be uh, just a better person altogether yeah obviously not a preferred situation of being homebound especially during the first few months but something we could definitely find some opportunity in even no e like i said even being homebound because you could still go outside you could still go outside even if it wasn't very far you could still go outside and that was exceptionally more than i I was able to do for during that six months, even though it was it was six months and not in not a year. I mean, the fact that I was confined to such a more extreme situation, I just I just feel like I know that what I discovered was, you know, very profound and not something that's new. It's, it's not, you know, it's nothing new that I, I'm talking about. I'm not, you know, I haven't found like the secret of life or anything like that. But I, I implemented these beautiful things that philosophers and, you know, spiritual teachers throughout time have been saying to us over and over again, and put in, you know, implementing that into, again, like a very unpleasant environment. And by doing that, I was able to control my perspective and find the good in this and turn this, you know, nursing home into a Garden of Eden, which I didn't want to leave. Like, I mean, it, it was weird. It was weird. Like, I was sad to leave. I, I was ready to leave. I was fine to leave because I knew it was time. I knew it was time, but it was fine. Like, I, I didn't, it didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter anymore. It was just whatever needed to happen needed to happen when, when it was going to happen. All right. Very good. And again, your book is titled Confined to a Line, A Journey to Well-Being. And where can people find your book online? It's on Amazon and um, it's on digital form and in print form. And I just wanted to um, read actually one poem that actually isn't in the book. So it's kind of a special feature. And I haven't read this for, for anybody. You know, I wanted it to happen, you know, this way and it didn't. It's not perfect. And it's OK, because you know what? Maybe it's just meant to be shared here tonight. Maybe this poem is meant to be shared in a future book of mine. Whatever its journey is, it's okay. 
you know, like I, I thought that I had a plan for it and it didn't go as planned and it's okay. So I'm going to share, share with you right now, exclusively first time ever my, this, this poem that I wrote during this time, um, while I was hospitalized, it's called the birth of rain. A storm is coming. A gradient of gray fades to rain. It will soon fall to wash clean of this moment. No drop following the pattern of another, becoming again with Mother Earth without resistance, accepting what is fluidity. As of planned all along, a burst of destiny, the feeling of togetherness, one with all, a part of the endless cycle throughout space and time, throughout form and the awareness of forms falling through you and running down your face. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. And people can find much more in your book as well. A lot of other poems and writings that you've had. And what are some other ways that listeners can connect to you, whether social media, email, other resources? Um, so the website again is wheelchairtraveling.com. My email is info at wheelchairtraveling.com. And if you go to the website, I have all the social media handles, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I also have a bunch of videos on YouTube, almost 100, not there, not quite there yet, but um, almost 100 videos of uh, wheelchair traveling stuff. So lots of ways to, to reach out to me. All right, good. And any travel or speaking gigs upcoming? Yeah, yeah, super excited. I'm going to be going to Los Angeles at the beginning of March uh, to be talking about um, rediscovering America, you know, and just getting, you know, getting back on that road and maybe doing some road trips to some random places out in the out in the open and just enjoying the scenery and being alive in fresh air and the variety and diversity of life. So I just wanted to inspire people. Of course, it's all accessible, travel-driven. But um, but yeah, so that's going to be super exciting. And then after that, definitely going to be hitting the road and uh, going to go traveling around the Southwest a little bit. Oh, that, that's really interesting. We're recording here in January of 2022. And I know there's an event coming to LA, the Travel and Adventure Show in March. Is that is it the same event? It's not, um, ironically Ooh. enough. <laughs> What's the event for listeners who might um, be it's, in the um, It's the Abilities Expo down in, in Los Angeles. So it's the very beginning of, of March, and it's going to be at the, the Staples the Staples Center. Oh, okay, great. I think, that, I right, think that's the any... big arena right downtown. I'm like, I'm 99% sure. I'm not sure if they changed the name of it because you know how arenas go, but... Yeah, yeah. But the big, <laughs> yeah, different, the big, different the big uh, venue downtown Los Angeles, you know, Abilities Expo. Um, and they have it's it's such a great expo. They literally have any and everything related to, um, you know, making your life more independent, you know, technology stuff and like animals. There's people doing dancing stuff, travel stuff, all sorts of different like gadgets and tools, RVs, um, all sorts of cool, you know, bikes and gadgets. Um, very cool things. Very cool things. Abilities Expo. All right, great. Yeah, we're coming up on time here. A very quick uh, 45 minutes or so. Anything else you'd like to share with listeners? Can we do, Justin, the 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 first pitch again with the recording? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, To yeah. make that like, like, to... like a little bit faster. So um, so my book, uh, Confined to a Line, everybody, is, is available on, on Amazon. And it's about 10 years after a car accident, um, I, I was paralyzed. 
And I had this pressure sore that escalated into a life or death scenario requiring emergency surgery. And after that, I actually had to be in a nursing home for a couple of weeks. And there I was confined to this very special medical bed where I wasn't allowed to sit up or even to take a pill. But I was had to be on my back seriously for for 24-7. Could not sit up whatsoever. Um, This story is about my search for peace and sanity during a claustrophobic and confinement space, which subsequently led to a deeper understanding and alignment of my internal well-being. All right, very good. Check it out on wheelchairtraveling.com. You can find information about the author, Ashley Lynn Olson. So thank you for joining me today. And thank you for having me. Stay well, everybody. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more content. See the show notes for more information and links surrounding topics discussed in the episode. Support my efforts through Patreon or Subscribestar, linked on my website at stoicsolutionspodcast.com. To receive special perks, including having upcoming podcast guests answer your questions, custom-made podcast episodes, and private one-on-one calls to discuss whatever you'd like. Visit my other podcast at hurdygurdytravel.com, that's H-U-R-D-Y-G-U-R-D-Y, travel.com, to learn how to make money, save money, and travel the world at next to no cost with credit card rewards, deals, and loyalty programs. Use affiliate or referral links to support me at no extra cost to you. Thanks to generous patrons and fans of this podcast who help support my work. Have a great day.